0: Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said this morning that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said this morning that is according to your will, let it be heard as if sung by the voice of angels that hearing we might believe, and believing obey. Amen. The other day, I had the need to flip through an old Kirk in the Hills church photo directory. I was trying to put a name to a face. You know what a photo directory is, right? That lightweight book full of all of our pictures. People outside of the church kind of make fun of those church directories, you know? We're all sitting there in front of the same weird backdrop, all trying to smile, and I'm not gonna lie, it was really fun to look some of you up. Let's just say I found some interesting facial hair choices from some of our gentlemen. This is the trouble for sitting for pictures like this, isn't it? We're subjecting ourselves to some future eyes, wondering what they will make of us and our wardrobe choices. And is there a more crippling question than, what do they make of me? It's a question for our employers. What do they make of me? Do they make enough of me to keep me around? It's a question for our friends and family. What do they make of my decisions? It's a question for our neighbors. What do they make of our stuff? To be free from that tyranny, the tyranny of impressions and correlations and comparisons, to be free from that tyranny that's so often self-imposed, what would that look like? How would that feel? Can you imagine being able to let that go? That question, what will they, what do they make of us? There's a story about how Gandhi went off to an important meeting with British royalty and he arrived wearing his usual rags, which were the typical attire of India's poor. And on the way a news reporter stopped him and, noting his clothing, said, why didn't you wear more clothes knowing that you were going to meet the king? And Gandhi said to him with a smile, I knew he would have enough clothes for the both of us. I wonder what the royals made of Gandhi. I wonder if Gandhi cared even one iota what the royals made of him. I bet he cared. I bet he cared about as much as Jairus cared what the crowd made of him. Jairus from today's scripture passage. Frederick Beekner describes the scene. He says he was a synagogue official of some kind. Whatever exactly that means. But Jairus was an important man anyway, which is possibly why the crowd gave way enough to let him through. But he doesn't behave like an important man, though. He behaves like a desperate man, a man close to hysteria, with fear, grief, horror. God knows what. And the reason is that his daughter is on the point of death. Jairus says that she is on the point of death my daughter. Only he doesn't say my daughter. He says my little daughter. So what does Jairus, even as an important man, what does he care what the crowd makes of him? His little daughter, his little daughter is dying. And because she is, he's freed from that tyranny. Caring what they make of him. Jairus is there to get through, even hysterically, to this man, Jesus. A man that some say is like no other man. What does he care? What the crowd makes of him. Would you have cared what the crowd made of you? Would you have? No. No. Well, then the most interesting thing happened. You see, all throughout the gospel, Jesus is coming around, telling people to follow him. And they do. They drop their nets and they leave their boats and they leave their parents and they come and they follow him in pairs. Some come alone. Some come by way of the crowd and they, they follow him. But only one time in this gospel... Only one time does this Greek word, akalutheo, which means to follow, only one time does it refer to something that Jesus does, and it's right here. It's right here. Jesus follows Jairus. And so it seems that Jairus' little daughter means something to him too. It's almost like she's family. But there's a twist because suddenly, and one has to wonder, when the text says suddenly, does it mean that Jesus makes it one step or two? Did he get the chance to turn around in his tracks before this woman reached out, this woman who needed healing of her own, who'd been bleeding for years, who was a social pariah on account of her disease? How long does it take before she reaches out and touches his cloak. Now Jesus doesn't scold her. Do you notice Jesus doesn't do that even though he's following someone for the first time in this gospel. He's on his way to something he thinks is important. He's on his way to a family matter. He doesn't scold her. He doesn't rebuke her. Even though in that day and time just... Touching him would have defiled him in the eyes of the crowd. No, instead, Jesus calls her. I wonder if Jairus could hear what Jesus called her. I wonder if the crowd picked it up, what Jesus calls her. I wonder if we hear what Jesus calls her because he calls her daughter. Now, in the eyes of the religious tradition, she couldn't be more different than the little daughter in the story. But she means something. Just as much as the daughter that Jesus is following Jairus to find, this daughter, this woman, means something. And if they both are family to Jesus, they both are family to one another. That's how it works. So by connecting the daughterhood of these two very different people, God makes them family. Now I hesitate to use the word family. We often use it in very different ways than Jesus understands it here, I think. I'm reminded of a couple of scenes from the 1987 movie The Princess Bride where over and over again the character Vizzini confidently misuses the word inconceivable. And at one point in the movie Vizzini cuts the rope off a cliff that the dread pirate Roberts is climbing up and the dread pirate manages to cling to the cliff itself and Vizzini says he didn't fall. Inconceivable. (laughs) And finally, another character, Montoya, looks at him and says, You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. (laughs) Just because you use the word and you use it confidently doesn't mean you grasp it. Daughter. Son, mother, father, nana, grandpa, niece, nephew, auntie, uncle, family. It is is as if this story about Jesus has him saying to us, you keep on using those words. I do not think they mean what you think they mean. Lillian Daniel tells this story about a woman in her church who suffered a stroke and she's gradually recovering her ability to speak. And the last thing to come back to her were people's names. The church people would go and visit her and she would speak to them in ways where it was clear that she knew exactly who they were but she just couldn't say their names. So she would pull out the church photo directory. And when someone from the church would go and visit to see the woman whose speech was failing her, she waved that sacred photo directory at them as if to say that she does not know their names, but she knows they are related. Suddenly, suddenly it doesn't matter that she can't speak a name because God makes them family. There was one week in my ministry when the headmaster of a local Christian school near my church gave me a call. He said, Nate, I assume you have heard the news. I said, no. He said, I have to tell you that there was a shooting at the courthouse this morning and one of the women shot was married to a member of your church." He was right. The husband, John, was a member, in the photo directory even, but I hadn't seen him in a while. As soon as I hung up with the headmaster, I called John, and as you might imagine, he was still in shock. And do you know what he told me? Do you know what he said? He said, I know I've been adrift from the church for a while, but I wonder if you would still do the service." And then I was shocked to think that he might think that I would say no, as if his name and face had faded from the directory. Suddenly, it doesn't matter how adrift from the church we are because God makes us family. We've been through a lot together in the last year. And I believe as we come back, we're going to come back as a more mature body of faith. And as we grow in maturity as a church, we will realize that the photo directory that God has printed for us The one that he wants us to be waving around. It is about a mile thick and has more and different names and faces in it than we ever knew. We will realize that Jesus is not interested in the way that we draw lines between the church community and the greater community, the good ones and the troublemakers. We will realize that there's no real difference between members and non-members when the time comes to access our compassion. We will realize that there's no such thing as our kids and outside kids or Kirk Tudor kids or Accent Pontiac kids. Suddenly, none of that matters because God has made us all family God makes us family. Family. Maybe not in the sense of the word that we've confidently meant it, but in the sense of the word that God means it. I hope that we might let that be the lens through which we see one another, the lens through which we see people who confuse us, the lens through which we see people We disagree with the people that believe very differently than we do on any number of issues. It's got to be our starting point. It has to be the lens through which we see ourselves. The lens through which we see ourselves. Because no matter how little they make of you, they can never make any less of you than they made that woman. In our scripture passage, it doesn't matter what everyone else makes of you. Because what did Jesus call her? Daughter. Daughter and sons, all are we. Each and every one of us, well off or just getting by, soaring or trudging, online or in person, doing our best to love and live, every single one of us, with a picture in the photo directory. God has made us family. Amen.